0: Listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. Yep, the kid is amazing. He's going to share a little bit of music at the end with us as well. And um, after church tonight, you guys make sure that you get out there and support him. Buy some CDs. Thank you, Mr. Tim. Buy some woo. Sit. Buy his merchandise. He's got he's got all kinds of stuff out there. Some t-shirts and some cds and and he's in the process of recording um, a brand new cd as well and he needs he needs some financial support to be able to get that project completed tonight so he's going to tell us a little bit more about that in just a little while but i hope you guys enjoyed his worship i know i did we've been spending some time the last few weeks talking about this idea of a community of people and the culture that's created how we all come together in this place and in churches all across the valley on a regular basis every weekend or whenever the weekend services are or typical services are. And we start to see a community of people that starts to function and flow and begin to interact with each other and relationships get built. And people begin to share in each other's stories and in each other's lives and they begin to understand a little bit about the issues at hand and the different things that people are going through and how they can be a part of those things. And we've been talking about the culture of God and how at the heart of God, He has come into this world to recreate the culture that you and I deal with and live with. There's some very specific things that God injects into the culture when He begins to work through the lives of people like you and me. We begin to talk about some of these things in, in really practical fashions, things like being able to resolve our sin between each other, the things that we hold against each other, being able to forgive and to be, re, be able to be forgiven, to let things go, to quickly and easily resolve our issues. We've talked about how honesty is one of these components that changes everything and how hard it is for people to really get honest. How honesty is one of the things that, though it should be touted, as one of the key ingredients of a culture of God, unfortunately, it is one of the things that you rarely ever find. as a culture where people can completely be honest, where they can take off the mask that they feel that they have to wear, and they can completely unveil and expose themselves to the people around them. We've talked about how hard that honesty is because we feel judgment and we feel fear and we feel these thoughts that if I expose myself, the people around me, will think differently of me. They won't accept me. They won't love me. They won't know my true heart and my true self. And so it makes us be dishonest. It makes us do all kinds of crazy things. We lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves things that, that, that are not true so that we can live in hiding. We also talk about how in this culture, the Bible says that God celebrates taking something old and making it brand new. These are all very important things and yet they're completely against the culture that you and I see all around us. You and I live in a world that does not celebrate old things becoming new. We live in a world that says to us loud and clear that old things get thrown away. That we don't find value in things when they've been broken and when they've been destroyed. And this value system that we see speaks to us about ourselves. And we look at ourselves and we say, I live in a world and a society that discards the ones that don't look like the ones that have it all together. I live in a society and in a world that throws away the things that I think resemble me. And it causes us to recoil. It causes us to hide. It causes us to go back inwardly when God is trying the whole time to get us to open up, to get us to expose ourselves, to get us to let the light shine on who we really are. Why? Because God wants us to be healed. God wants for us to grow up. God wants for us to mature. God wants us to be whole. God wants for us to be who He created us to be. Many of us have a hard time with this and many of us have a hard time going through the process that it takes for us to get mature, for us to grow up. Many of us think that we'll just start going to church Church is a good thing. That's what seems to be where the people that have it all together go. So I'll just start going to church and that'll automatically make me grow up. Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience as somebody who's been in church for almost 40 years my entire life, the church is probably the single most celebrated place for people being immature and hiding and not being able to be open and honest, not being able to let God reveal who they are so that they can grow up and come out of hiding. So going to church isn't enough. Just getting through the doors of a church and just saying, hey, I go to church now. It's not enough. There's something more that it takes for us to grow up, for us, takes for us to get to the place where God wants us to be. Let's talk about that tonight. In Acts chapter four, we read a a short passage of scripture Starting with verse 32, it says all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Short little passage of scripture that's describing a culture. It's describing a community of Jesus followers. This short little passage of scripture that we read is actually the very first generation of people who followed Christ. Jesus had come to this earth, and as we've gone through and looked at the stories, we see that he lived on this earth for 33 years, and then he went through this radical transformation where he literally laid down his life, and he died, and he breathed his last breath. And God miraculously brought him back to life after three days of being dead. It's a miracle of huge proportions. And after these three days... The scripture tells us that Jesus walked and he talked and he went back to his followers and he shared life with them and he began to tell them about the things that were going to happen next. He began to tell them the rest of the story because up until that point, he could never tell them all of it because they couldn't understand it. They needed to know without any doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. And in order for that to happen, there had to be all of their doubts put to death And the way their doubts were put to death is they watched Jesus die. And then they watched Jesus come back to life. And they're sitting there looking at him, freaking out, going, This is a ghost. This dude, there's no way that this guy is really here. This cannot be Jesus. And they all reacted differently. They all were going through all of their emotions of trying to get to a place to where they could accept it. One of the disciples said to himself, he said, I'll never believe that that's Jesus. Unless I can put my finger in his wounds. I want to touch his hands where they drove the nails in. And I want to put my finger in his side where I saw them sticking with a spear. And Jesus is like, come on, touch me. Jesus had a way of being able to bring God to them and to show them that there was nothing to doubt, that there was nothing to fear, that all of his claims were real, all of his promises were true, and he was who he said he was. And Jesus goes back to heaven where he came from. And he leaves this this group of followers who are absolutely transformed as a result. And he tells them some powerful words. He says, I'm going to leave, but when I leave, God's going to come to you and he is going to fill you with himself. His Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you and you have never experienced anything like this before. And we began to talk about this process of God's seed being planted inside of us and how this seed literally begins to grow from the inside out and it begins to change everything. It changes the way we think, It changes the way that we look around the world. It changes our value systems. It changes our instincts. The things that we used to think that this was natural for me to do, God begins to rewire us from the inside out. And the things that we used to do without even thinking about it, all of a sudden they make us feel uncomfortable. They're not okay anymore. I don't want those things anymore. And God begins to deal with us on every area of our life. He deals with our mind and the way that we think. He deals with our identity and who we see as ourselves and how we view ourselves in light of God. He deals with our reactions, the way that we handle anger, the way that we feel about things. He deals with our morals. He deals with our sex life. He deals with what we can or can't do. With all of these issues in our life, there is nothing that God keeps his hands off of because the living God is inside of us now and he is changing us from the inside out and it's all becoming brand new. Nothing gets untouched. Crazy. And so Jesus promises to these guys, this is what's going to happen to you. And guess what happens? They go into this room where Jesus told them to wait. And just like he promised, God came. God comes into this room where they're all sitting, waiting, praying, just not even knowing what to do. And God comes in, and the Bible says it was like a rushing wind blew through there. And he filled them with himself. And these people were never the same They began to tell everybody. They began to go into their communities and share their faith. And the Bible says that there was one day where literally 3,000 people all gave their hearts to God and said, we want what you have because you're a different person than the person that we used to know. The power of God was present in their lives, in their words, and in the way that they lived. And they all wanted a piece of it. They said, whatever you got, I got to have it. And their culture began to be turned upside down. Their community, their culture, it all got shifted because God came on them and in them and began to change them. And so we read this little story and we find that one of the first crazy things that started to happen is they began to let go of the things in this world. They let go of their possessions. I don't know about you guys, but one of the cardinal rules of American life is that he who has the most is the best, right? He who has the most stuff, money, toys, possessions, whatever, he who has the most is the happiest, right? We all believe that crap. He who has the most in some way, shape, or form is touted as the guy or girl that we want to be. It's ingrained in us from the time that we're born in our culture. This is what we are modeled and taught to believe. And one of the first things that happens, you see it in the scripture, they said they felt that what they owned was not their own anymore. What is that? What is that? When God so grips a group of people where they begin to let go of their very possessions, they begin to let go of the very things that they own. What is that? It's the love of God. It's the seed of God. It's God himself from the inside beginning to birth himself and grow to the outside. And everybody is letting go of all of the things that they have held on to. They're letting go of all of the things that they have been defined by, that they have have longed for. In other words, their culture was being disrupted by the gospel. Their culture where they lived was being disrupted by the power of God. And something was taking place. Many of those people for the very first time were seeing God. They were seeing God. See, you have to understand, this group of people that started to witness this life-changing situation, they had never seen God before. They lived with the knowledge that anybody who saw God died. See, they had a guy in their culture, in their, in their heritage, uh, call him a national hero, if you will. He was like one of the first guys for them. If we want to equate it to America, this would be like the first president. His guy's name was Moses. Anybody here know the name Moses? Does that ring a bell to Anybody? They made movies about this guy. I mean, everybody talks about this guy, Moses. Well, this culture that Jesus comes into, that Jesus begins to revolutionize, they knew Moses. Let me tell you a little bit of Moses' story. Moses was this, was this guy that had a very, very special life. Matter of fact, his life started off, even as a baby, very, very special God chose this guy when he was an infant. And God said, Moses, I'm going to raise you up to be a leader like this nation has never seen before. And God literally took Moses through a series of events in his life that caused him to rise in prominence and in, in fame. And he got to a place in his life where God literally used him to answer prayers of the nation of Israel, where they had cried out to God and said, God, we are slaves, we are in captivity, set us free. And God said, Moses is gonna be my man to set you free. And God performs a miracle, and an entire nation of people, we're talking big group of people, I don't know the number exactly, but in your mind, think of like a million people, all these people, are following Moses and they're walking through a desert and they're walking through this wilderness barren area and whatever Moses says, they listen to and they follow. These people in this particular place in their life, they couldn't hear God's voice for themselves. They needed somebody to tell them what God said. And Moses was that man. Moses began to be the voice for God to these people. Moses began to be the go-between, the mediator, if you will, the person who could go and listen to God, and then turn around and then go and tell the people what he heard. Any of you guys ever had a mediator before? Any of you ever been in a situation where you depended on somebody else for something important? Maybe it was maybe it was in a courtroom where you had an attorney representing you, and you knew that if that attorney didn't represent you well, then you didn't have a good chance of being heard or treated well. Maybe you've been to another country where you didn't speak the language and you needed an interpreter, somebody that could talk for you, somebody that could translate for you, somebody that could go between you and somebody else. If that translator doesn't listen well and hear you well, your whole world is in their hands. And if you're in Mexico and you're trying to order food, trust me, it can be a little dangerous for you on the outside. It cannot turn out too well. I think they call it Montezuma's Revenge if you don't watch out. It'll get you. There was a problem in this relationship between God and Moses and the people he was representing. The problem is that the people had hard hearts. They really did, they didn't want to follow God. And so it wasn't like they were coming to Moses saying, Moses, we love God and we wanna do what's right. They wanted their own way. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to live their own lives. And so Moses finds himself in this horrible situation Where these people are acting selfishly and pridefully and against God in every way. And God is getting ready to bring judgment. And he's getting ready to say, I can't do this anymore. These people are about to be done. at one point in this long story, God literally says to Moses, I'm going to start over. They're going to just take these guys out of the picture and we'll start over. Because they're just not getting it. And Moses literally begins to cry out for these people to God. He says, God, have mercy on them. He begins to intercede to God on their behalf. He begins to go before God and say, God, don't do it. Don't judge them. Don't wipe them out, God. God, you love these people. God, you've got to give them another chance. God, you've got to hold back your anger. And Moses finds himself in this place. And God begins to use Moses in this very, 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 very intriguing way. God says to Moses one day, Moses, I'm gonna give you my law. I'm gonna tell you what I want you to tell this nation of people. And God begins to tell Moses, face to face, what his law is all about. Anybody here ever heard of the 10 Commandments? You know how we got those 10 Commandments? Through Moses. And God, right here in this story, God literally gives Moses the law. Story goes back and forth and people are doing their own thing. God's mad. Moses is begging for mercy. All of these things are happening. And this one day, God calls Moses to come close to him. And the way that they used to interact is on this mountain. God would literally say, Moses, I want you to come up to this mountain and nobody else can touch this mountain except for you. I don't want anybody even around the base of this mountain. If anybody touches this mountain, Moses, they die. End of story. But he would call Moses to himself. And one day, Moses goes up to the mountain of God This crazy event takes place. God tells Moses, it's time for you to pack up the camp and it's time for you to move and it's time for you to begin walking towards the promised land that I'm taking you to, the destination that I want you to go to. Moses knows the situation that he's in and he knows how hard the people's hearts are And he knows how difficult it is for him to be able to lead and for these people to follow. And he knows that he can't do it by himself. And he knows that they have enemies everywhere. There's people all around them waiting for them to move so that they can come down and they destroy them and attack them. And Moses says to God an amazing thing. He says, God, I don't want to move from this place unless you personally Go with us. God, this whole me walking, them following, and you hanging out somewhere else thing, God, I can't do it. i got to have your presence with us. I've got to know that where I go, you go. God, if your presence doesn't go, no deal. That's what Moses tells God. He says, no deal. I don't want to go without you. Moses knew the seriousness of the situation and he knew that he needed God where he was. And in Exodus chapter 33, I want to tell you the response of God. God says to him, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before your eyes, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. God says to Moses, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one can see me and live. The Lord continued to say, look, stand near me on this rock, and as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by you and then I will remove my hand and I will let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. God says to Moses, I'm gonna let you see my goodness. I'm gonna pass right in front of your eyes. See, Jesus was talking to a culture of people who knew they'd never be able to see God and live. Never. Because Moses was the closest thing that they had ever gotten to God. He was it. And if Moses couldn't see God and make it, then they surely didn't have a chance. And when Jesus came, And Jesus laid down his life on this earth, and Jesus came back to life, and he said to them, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come again, and my presence, my literal spirit is going to be in you. You know what he was saying to this group of people? Do you know what was being shared in the early church, this band of followers? it It was the goodness of God. They were seeing God for the very first time. They were able to not just see him, but experience his power and his presence from the inside out. They didn't need a mediator anymore. They didn't need Moses to go to God for them anymore. God said completely, this has been finished and it has been done and let me show you the goodness of God right in the middle of you, right on the inside of you, and watch what begins to happen to your world. In the book of First John chapter 4, there's a scripture that we've looked at many times. There's a little snippet I want to read to you again. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Jesus, through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, then we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one has ever seen God. These people knew it. You and I know it. God said it to Moses. No one's ever going to see me face to face and be able to live. But he says there's something better. He says if we love, God brings himself and his love is displayed completely through us. You know what it says? It says if we love. It doesn't say if we show love every one of you sitting in this room tonight know whether or not you have God's love in your heart you know it you can feel it this isn't an exercise of doing good, this isn't an exercise of good works this isn't an exercise of doing the right thing Anybody can show kindness. Anybody can show love. But he says in this scripture, if we love, if it's inside of you, if you feel it inside of you, if you go places and you see people's condition and it breaks your heart, if it makes you hurt, when you see people go through good times where they experience happiness, you rejoice inside with them. Why? Because God is inside of you. And some of you here tonight, you say, I don't know. I don't know if God's inside of me. Do you feel his love in you? Do you feel his love as it's going through your life? Do you feel his love as it's being shown in all of the situations, in all of the places, the love of God in you? It's right there. Our world tries hard to suppress the goodness of God. Our world tries hard to suppress the things that you and I see in God. We live in a world that tries to lie about God and tries to minimize God and tries to make God not who he really is. How is the goodness of God shared? I wanna show you guys a video in just a moment It's a video that represents typical life of any one of us sitting in this room tonight. Any of us going through the normal situations of our life. But something powerful intersected this man's life. And it was the goodness of God. And it took a process, and it took a while, and it took a period of time for God to begin to display Himself so that Zach could see Him for who He was. Watch this video. Open up your hearts.
1: And it might not be the If you've ever met me before, my name's Zach. See, the Zach that you knew before had a mask on. The Zach that's today is a man that took off the mask. In the last 10 days, I've learned so much about myself. I learned that I could let my old self go so my new self could grow. You see, I've lived my life behind a mask. Addictions, pain, suffering, and hate. I've been an addict my whole life. I come from a family of addicts. And I had to be honest with God, because when I heard you, people in the church tell me you were proud of me, I went home, I lay in bed. When I'm looking at God, I know I'm not lying to him. And it's sat on my heart. You see, I had to come honest with myself, my family, and today, I want to come honest with you guys. This is the real me. This is the first day of the rest of my life. You see, I'm 30 years old. 18 of those years, I've been wasted. I've been in prison, in prison of the devil. Well, today, I've been paroled to God. This might be- Prettiest thing you'll ever see well, it's a new day. Oh baby it's a new day If you look outside to see a beautiful sunlight This puzzle's been put together, everything's been put in place for me. See I believe I, I have a calling. I think that I need to be in the juvenile justice system, talking to kids, talking to kids that had the same lifestyle that I had growing up, and uh, let them know that there's more there than what what you see. In the last 10 days, I've had the opportunity to learn who I am without the mask on. This is the first day of the rest of my life, and I'm very blessed for what I have.
0: Obviously, that makes you guys feel pretty good to see something like that. What do you guys think it is? Takes a person like Zach, like you, like me, and gets them to that place to where they can take that mask off. Gets them to a place to where they too can open their life up. Remember our culture, a place where our Our sin is easily resolved, where honesty flows, where old things become new. This is our culture. This is who we are. And when Zach got injected into a culture that was going to love him no matter what, no matter where he came from, no matter what he did and continued to do, when he got injected into that culture, it was either stay in that culture and let the grace of God have its way with you, You better run because it's going to get you. God wants our hearts. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, what about me? What about me? I've never seen the goodness of God that you talk about. I've never seen these things that you explain. I've never seen anything in my life that I can point to and say, that was God. I could tell you absolute confidence in my heart that you are where you're supposed to be right here, right now. And you are sitting among friends. You are in a room right now of people who will love you and will get in your life with you and will not leave you when things get hard and will not abandon you along the way. We'll take your crap when you dish it out and we'll come back for more. You'll spit in our face and we'll wipe it off and we say we still love you. Why? Why? because we're not here just to show love to people. We're here because we have love inside of us and we know nothing else to do. The goodness of God is shared every single time you love the unlovable, the ones that are so hard to love. When you forgive as you have been forgiven, You show the goodness of God. When you give to those in need and you expect nothing in return, you show the goodness of God. And when you walk in honesty with yourself about who you really are and you take off the mask and you let us see you, you're showing the goodness of God. And we already know who you are anyway, so quit faking it. I'm going to have Josiah come back up here. And while he's coming up here, I'm going to share a scripture with you. It talks about the goodness of God. And if you just want to hear it, then close your eyes and let these words hit you. If you want to follow along, we'll put them up on the screen But listen to these words as they hit your heart. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And may I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry And filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us or remain angry forever. And He doesn't punish us for all our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord's like a father to His children tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. For He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. For our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and then we die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to His covenant, of those who obey His commands. The Lord has made the heavens His throne, and from there He rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out His plans, listening for each of His commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve Him and do His will. Praise the Lord. Everything he has created everything in all his kingdom let all that i am praise the lord you've been listening to gravitychurch.com